Week 39 of the Beatitudes is the merciful. Matthew 5, 7, the fifth Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, Christians should be the most merciful people on earth. And we have to know what it means to be merciful if we're going to pray for mercy and strive to be merciful. But that's part of growing a Christian character and it's part of our witness in the world is that we are people who've been set apart to be merciful to the hurting, merciful to each other. Merci- what does it mean to be merciful? I have, I think, seven. Seven. The list keeps growing each week, you know, going way back to the commandments and the fruit of the Spirit in fleshing out practical applications and different aspects of each item started with three, sometimes it was two, then it crept up to four or five. But this one has seven. What does it mean to be merciful? It means to show compassionate care regarding the weaknesses, sins, hurts, and sufferings of others. If you just want to remember one phrase, compassionate care. And compassionate speaks to the heart, speaks to the nature of the care that we give. It has to be compassionate care. Now, you, you have had doctors and maybe nurses who are not compassionate, but are rigid or harsh and don't have good bedside manner. But they're technically they're giving you care. Pastors can be the same way. They're going technically. They're saying the right things and doing the right things. But there's a heart behind it that's not compassionate. And care is the action. Care is the outward. It's the words. So there needs to be a compassionate care. If we just remember that and then seek to apply that in different areas, we'll be, we'll be okay. But it's specifically in Scripture, compassionate care regarding the weaknesses, sins, hurts, and sufferings of others. Whatever sin is working toward in the world, it's mercy that's going to work toward the opposite. We've been set apart for this. And number one, Jesus is a merciful high priest on behalf of weak and needy sinners. Hebrews 2, 17, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation is talking of his blood sacrifice on the cross. It's a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God for our sins. Verse 18, For for because he himself has suffered, when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You know, Jesus is holy and Jesus is righteous. And Jesus is perfect. But he doesn't have this, this uh, belittling, critical spirit looking down on the weak and the sinful. But rather, he has a compassionate, tender, merciful heart toward the weak and the sinful. He's a merciful high priest and i put as a cross reference there jesus whole earthly ministry and his miracles of showing compassionate care and mercy to the hurting to the leper to the blind to the cripple to the outcast to the prostitute jesus shows mercy he's a merciful priest now if we're to grow in christ likeness if we're to reflect christ's attitude in the world We have to be merciful. Number two, mercy has compassion for the lost, not a self-righteous anger against them. 
Matthew 9, 12 and 13. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came to call the I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. It's he wants mercy to be shown towards sinners. He doesn't just want the outward performance of religion here represented by sacrifice. Offering sacrifices outwardly, doing the things of religion outwardly, but not showing mercy is not God's will. He desires mercy. And so to critics, the Pharisees, he says, go and learn what this means. You have to learn what this means. God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's come for sinners. He's come for sinners. Mercy has compassion for the lost. Number three, merciful people forgive sins. So if you're going to be a merciful person, a child of God who has the mercy of Christ within your heart, you've got to forgive others. We've got to be willing to forgive others in our hearts. Luke 18, 13 and 14. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What is the mercy of God toward this tax collector? The forgiveness of sins. What's the, what's the central blessing of the gospel? The forgiveness of sins. Now, it's the forgiveness of sins that brings us into a relationship with God. God be merciful to me, a sinner. God's mercy, his saving mercy to forgive sins. Well, if we're going to be God's people, if we're going to have the heart of Christ and the walk in the spirit, we have to be a people who forgive sins and not hold grudges, who forgive sins and move on, not keep a list and a record of how this person has hurt me. We've got to be merciful. Christians should be the most merciful people on earth. Of course we should, because in a literal sense, because we've received Scripture as true, because we, God has, by the Spirit, opened our hearts, we're the only ones who truly know what real mercy is. Merciful people forgive sin. Number four, merciful people help the hurting. And I'm only going to read verse 37 where you see the underline. This is the end of the Good Samaritan. Remember, the Good Samaritan gave practical care in many ways. There are many layers to the care that the Good Samaritan gave to this man who was attacked and injured and left for dead. It's summarized in verse 37. Well, let's look at verse 36 and verse 37. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Go and show mercy. So all of that help, all of that practical care that was given is summarized in this. He showed mercy. Flip it over. Number five, merciful people are generous to the poor. You should not be just giving the bare minimum in a way that it, there's no sacrifice involved. But this should challenge us in our culture of comfort and self-absorption and materialism, we could do well to grow in being generous to the poor. Merciful people are generous to the poor. Just one verse from Proverbs 14, 31. 
Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who shows mercy to the needy honors him. In other words, honors the maker, honors God. Now, in the English Standard Version, it doesn't say shows mercy. It says is generous. And your translation might have a different wording. But the word literally is the word for mercy, to be merciful, to show mercy. Now, look at that proverb. This is, there's two lines of this proverb, even though I didn't type it out that way. You know, most of the Psalms and Proverbs are written, formatted like poetry, because in literary forms, that's what they are. And the, typically, the first line is paralleled by the second line. In other words, the first line will say something, and then the next line will say basically the same thing, just in a different way. So oppressing a poor man is set in contrast with showing mercy to the, to the needy. Showing mercy to the poor. The impl implication is that one of the ways to oppress the poor is to refuse mercy. To not be generous. To not show mercy to the needy is a way of oppressing the poor. That's a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. There are lots of sins of commission where you could proactively oppress the poor. But here it's the sin of omission, of just not showing mercy. We should be willing and looking for ways to help the needy. Number six, mercy, number six and seven, uh, really should pierce to the heart. Number six, mercy cannot be replaced by the formalities of outward religion. This is always the tendency. This is always the tendency for human beings. Just to create a for outward religion, give ourselves to the formalities of outward religion. We can even give ourselves to the formalities of outward religion that God has put in place, but still do that in such a way where we're ignoring the true spiritual matters that God cares about. Matthew 23, 23 is a perfect example. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, which means actors, which means fakers, which means pretenders. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. It's not saying one or the other. He doesn't say stop tithing and worry about these weightier matters. No, you should be doing both. But it's easy. Psychologically, when we do the outward things of religion we do the outward requirements of god it's easy to use that as a rationalization that we're not really concerned with the other matters spirituality is always a matter of the heart first and foremost always a matter of the heart and finally uh, this is connected to that one number seven lack of mercy is a handmaiden to legalism it's a handmaiden to legalism to looking down on others matthew 12 7 if you had if you had known what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Not a self-righteous spirit. Condemnation to those who are guiltless. That's legalism. That's what legalism causes you to do. Is, th is think that someone is sinful in an area where they haven't even committed a sin. Why? Because, for an example, I have this conviction in my conscience that God doesn't want me to do this. 
right? It's not a law in Scripture. It's just my conviction. It's probably based on a scriptural principle. But if you're not in line with my conviction, I'll look down on you. I say you're committing sin. That's false. That is not true. My conscience and my convictions are not binding upon you. And your conscience and your convictions are not binding upon me. Only the word of God is to bind our conscience. But the legalistic spirit doesn't see it that way. The legalistic spirit of the Pharisees says, well, our laws are based on Scripture. Our laws are based on our convictions from God's word. Therefore, these laws, our laws and traditions are binding on everyone else. That's legalism. God has never told us to make up a set of laws and regulations and policies based on his word. No, his word is the law and the policy. But the legalistic spirit takes that you know, presumed authority and role that we can make laws and a lack of mercy will always be a handmaiden to legalism. They're legalistic and it's because they don't know what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So they're not showing mercy to others, but a harsh, critical, self-superior spirit. What shall what mercy shall they receive? Remember, it says, blessed are the mercy. They shall receive mercy. First of all, sinners saved by God's mercy experience the joys of his mercy as we walk with him. Being a recipient of God's mercy is a daily thing. And it brings joy and it brings peace and it brings humility. We are daily recipients of God's tender and compassionate care to us. In our weakness, in our sin, in our folly, God has a compassionate care for us. That did not just happen once when we were born again, but that happens daily for children of God, living under the compassionate and merciful care of God. That's the blessing. That's the joy that God cares for us and shows us mercy. And therefore, we should be merciful, the most merciful people on earth. Father, we